Welcome to the Inspiring Educators Podcast, a space where you can let go, learn, laugh, and be inspired. Let's first begin with introductions of our inspiring educators. Inspiring educators, introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. It's Lila Noor, the educator motivator, coming to you from Los Angeles. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Lila Noor. That's at M-S-L-A-I-L-A-N-U-R. I am currently the CPM Regional Coordinator for LAUSD, Los Angeles Unified School District. I'm also now an instructional coach within um, Manual Arts Senior High School, the first school that I ever taught at. And I am also, as I um, had a nice little powwow with some some people who inspire me, a motivational speaker. Okay. Um, Every episode, we like to discuss what we are grateful for. And that's because we like to keep things um, light in the midst of sometimes some heavy conversations, but also to continue to lift up our energy towards a space where we feel um, the desire to keep pushing on. And with that being said, what I'm grateful for this episode is motivation. And I, I feel motivated by a lot of different entities and forces and people around me, whether it just be signs or actual people who are telling me things or, you know, um, things I see other people doing, I feel very motivated to, to start a new career, to, to start doing things to better myself. And it, it feels good. It's just that now, now is my time as I feel motivated and I'm grateful for this, this jolt of energy. I got to make sure I do something with it, right? Because some science person said something about energy acted on or something of the sort. <laughs> so basically, I got to make sure that I keep this energy in motion so it continues in motion. Otherwise, I'm going to allow something to stop it. Good stuff. Good stuff. That's my girl. This is your boy, <laughs> Dr. Christopher J. Childs, academic rock star, your favorite teacher, favorite teacher. You can find me on social media at DRK Childs. This week, I'm grateful for a committed team of real people around me. And it's only a few but I am grateful for the real people that are around me. I use the word real purposefully because I know who's really committed to the cause of doing some great things in this work. And I'm truly thankful for each and every person around me that's committed to the cause. This week, hot topic. Why are we still giving letter grades? You know, A, B, C, D, F, like It's 2019. We still giving letter grades? If your current professional position involves teaching in a formal classroom setting, you're likely familiar with the process of assigning final course grades. Lila, what the heck is the purpose of we still giving letter, like, for real, like, letter grades? Like, I I honestly have no idea what is the purpose of giving a letter grade in 2019. You got an A. What the heck does that mean? At this point, I feel like it's partially for the parents. (laughs) I felt like last year, it was for the parents. I got so much pushback about grades. Um, You know, we get that. The the whole argument is that we need some sort of measuring tool to be able to to, to evaluate how much students have learned or, or their level of mastery or competency to be able to tell to other people, right, whether it be colleges or what have you or programs or jobs or whatever the case may be. But, you know, I, I still say, you know, it, the argument is going to always be my A, 
totally different than his A, all right? My F, totally different than his F. So ultimately, you know, while these grades are measuring something, giving some sort of measurement, measuring scale to translate information to others in a simplified manner, it, the scale ain't even the same across the board. So it's like we're literally using thousands upon thousands of different scales across the board created by different teachers to indicate what these letters mean and somehow they're supposed to affect students' lives in a variety of ways that oftentimes just ends up not being fair. So here's the supposed purpose of grades. For administrative purposes, to give students feedback on their, about their progress and achievement, to provide guidance to students, to provide guidance to teachers for instructional planning, to motivate students, and to communicate with parents. So let us make this clear. We're not against grading in general. We're against letter grade. We're against 80, what, 90 to 100 is an A, 80 to 90 is a B. Like, think about the range. Let's think about these letter grades for a minute. 90 and above is an A, right? 80 to 89 is a B. 70 to 79 is a C. 60 to 69 is a D. 59 to 0, or 0 to 59 is an F. Like, what kind of big gap difference? Like, it's disproportionate. Like, what kind of sense does that make? Doesn't make any sense. It's disproportionate. And there's an article called The Case Against Zero, um, where you don't have these. It, because here's the thing a student doesn't do an assignment, you give them a zero, right? You don't give them a 50, which would make sense, right? <laughs> because of every other um, um, range between each letter grade is, is 10 points. If you are a nine, you have 10 points. Somehow the fifth of the F category now has 59 points. <laughs> And when you give a zero, do you know how hard they have to work to, to climb back up out of that zero? It's, it, it's, it's disproportionate, it's unfair, and it literally makes no sense. What's unique, I remember when I first started teaching, and back then, I'm, I'm honest, I did not understand it. I don't know if it was the way it was explained or if I did just did not understand it. Our principal was trying to make a mandate you could not give below a 50%. His thing was, if you give a kid a zero, it's, det- it's not bad. It's not it's beyond bad. It is detrimental to a student recovering. So his whole thing was the lowest grade, we give a 50. But, you know, some people, well, if they don't turn it in, I got to give them a zero. But depending upon how many assignments you give, a zero could annihilate a student for the entire semester. One zero. Yep. And at, at this point, I get the idea of a zero. So, for instance, I'll put a zero or a missing in my grade book. But that's just to give the students a red flag, right? Because nowadays there's, there's all sorts of learning management systems where students are able to check in on their grades. And if the teacher is doing what they're supposed to by keeping things up to date, they can easily jump in and go, okay, um, here's this zero for this assignment. And students can easily see, hey, I got this zero because I didn't do this thing. And if you are giving students fair opportunities to learn and to recover, they should be able to make up that assignment that you gave them for, you gave a zero for with no penalties, right? Because then you start introducing this, oh, will you turn it in late? That's minus five points. You turn it in late, it's 10 points. Who cares? Like, you know, 
it, we're getting into all these semantics about grades. And I've been using mastery learning and grading for a, a few years now. And, and up to this last year, I finally implemented it across the board, whether it be it's in instructions and grades and on my assessment. And it's, it, it makes a total difference in terms of understanding what students know. Yes, it does translate over into a grade. But when my students go into their grade book, they don't see a grade. All they see are learning targets. They see, man, I got a three on this learning target or I got a one on this one, which means I don't understand it, which means I need to do some work and come back and retake it, right? And instead of this concept of, of this zero to 100 range, which is ridiculously huge, because then you start to think about what the hell is the difference between a 73 and a 75? What's the difference? Two percentage points. How, how, what did they do? Was it a comma? Was it a misspelled word? How are you deducting points or giving points, whatever your system is, for students to get a 73 or a 75? It just, it doesn't, I don't get it. Lila makes a great point. What's the purpose? Our true intent is to convey to the student how are they doing on this particular topic. If that is our true intent, we need to be focused on standards-based grading or mastery learning, where we're giving students opportunity to truly understand the material, not a one-shot deal. You either got it or you didn't. That's it. Provide students multiple opportunities to showcase that they can do something. Think about this for a moment. If when you first got on a bicycle, I gave you a test, most of us, the first time on a bicycle, especially without training wheels, we fail. Like, literally fell off the bike. Not just fail riding, we fail off the bike. If that would have been a final grade, how would that have enticed us to keep going to learn how to ride a bike? But what happens? You fall off, you get on, you try again. You fall off, you get on, you try again. You learn to ride a bike. That's what we need to think about in terms of grading. Allowing students multiple opportunities to showcase what they know and getting out of this antiquated ABC grading system, a lot of people are using grading scales now, uh, which are like one, two, three, and four to represent the different levels, which are fine because they actually give you a chance if you get it, you miss an assignment to catch up, but not even penalizing students when they miss an assignment. If we're focused on mastery, students making sense of the material, give them those opportunities to convey what they know. They can have a bad day. Give them another chance. If that's the true intent and purpose of grading. Last, I think about my daughter's teacher. I remember my daughter brought home a B on an assignment. I said, what's a B? 80%. I got that. What does 80% mean? She got 8 out of 10 right. What does that mean? She got 8 out of 10 right. She missed 2. What does that mean? Can she add or can she subtract? What does it mean? The fact that she got a B, we need to start communicating meaning with our grades not just, in my opinion, arbitrary grades. I want to know how is my child performing, and you should want to know and communicate to your parents how are your students performing as it relates to a specific topic. Absolutely. And, I mean, that goes, for me, that makes me think about what I'm including in my grades as well because we still have teachers who are giving significant portions of their grade to homework or behavior, right? And, and, and a lot of people toot their nose up at me when I said my grades were 100% assessment because the assessment is reflecting what they know. 
Why am I grading them on anything else besides what they have learned and what they know? That includes formative assessment. That includes summative assessment. That includes them uh, their infinite ability to retake things as many times as they need to, right? I'm not grading students. And I understand the importance of homework. But I also, when you think about our last episode where we talked about students in poverty and we talked about the time frames and things of that nature uh, in which some students may have to, to get things done, it, there's not always a space for students to do homework, right? Um, and with that being said, I know students who understand content, who can learn and know all of that without doing a piece of homework. I was one of those students who didn't have to do any homework, and I guarantee you I could ace the test. But I would have been penalized in certain classrooms if I didn't do the homework. So, of course, I did it, but I, I, didn't, I didn't need to. I got it. I was in class. I was there. I worked on the assignments. I was engaged. I collaborated, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't need the homework. So when you start thinking about grades on top of that, think about what's going into your grades. Are you really grading students on being late? Are you really grading students on being absent that day so they didn't get to participate? I used to do it. And I, I, I shame myself. I shun myself for it. But I definitely used to do it. And it's something that I thought about. Does this make sense? Is this helping my students grow? And it wasn't. Essentially, what we need to do is get out of we've always done it this way in the convenience mechanism and really start challenging ourselves as educators. What are we communicating as a purpose of grades? And we have to get out is motivating students to do it. It's not. Our job is to see do a student, does a student understand this topic? Help them understand the topic and just assess how far along have they come in regard to understanding the topic. Let's simplify grading. And like, as Lila pointed out, I, I took you off 10 points because he came late. Are you serious? What if people start docking your pay because you came to teach your class late? We have to become more realistic and rethink what is the meaning of grades and get out of we've always done it this way. I keep harping on we've always done it this way because literally the only reason a lot of us don't want to change is because it's convenient, it's easy, but it's time to rethink what we're doing in educational systems. We say we want better. This is an easy, simple fix for a lot of us internally in your classroom just to rethink what is going to be my purpose for grading. Thomas Gusky has some really good work out there in regards to different standards-based grading and grading practices. Honestly, if you even just did a Google search and learned about standards-based grading, most of it is going to tie into mastery learning. It will give you some ideas just to get started in your own classroom with grading before you try to roll it out to your entire student body. But like we still give it le- like I'm I'm so on this <laughs> when I even when I work with schools, like we still leave in letter grades. It's 2019. Lila, final thoughts. Final thoughts. I find it so significantly important. So as much as my students last year, and I'm speaking specifically to my seventh graders, right? Um, and if, if you ever listen to this somewhere down the road, like you know exactly who you are. My seventh graders struggled so much with the concept of the mastery learning and grading with the idea that they weren't getting this A every single time. If I was doing things on a percentage, as a lot of people told me I should be, um, that they would have had these A's the entire time and there was no challenge. There was no struggle. There was no um, here are my high expectations. Reach them. Get to them because you can do it. And and as much as they struggled and they pouted and they 
complain. And, you know, there were some tears and there were some emails and all that. When I talked to another teacher who had these seventh graders for advisory, she asked them and she said, at the end of the year, where do you think you've grown the most this year? Majority of them said math. And there was this, because there was this push, there was this expectation. There wasn't a, oh, I got an A, I'm good. There was this, no, you need to work on this, 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 this learning objective. You need to work on this content area, this area right here that I see that you, you have not mastered. You haven't got to a point where you can say, I can teach this forward and backward in and out. And I got you. Don't even worry about it. You haven't got there and I want you to get there. And a lot of them realized that that was the objective. That was the point that I wanted them ready, ready, strapped and ready for next school year, for the next course. And it, it's, it's something that strengthens our students and it strengthens our, our instruction as we continue to implement things that don't have a, a deficit connotation, if you will. This leads to my favorite moment in the show, which is the inspirational moment. This episode's inspirational moment, I want to center it around the theme, be bold, be bold. We need some bold educators in the field. On this episode, we talked about grades, something basic, but it's been a mainstay in education and many are afraid to change it. Why? They're not bold. A lot of things happen in education that we like and that we don't like. The things that we don't like that we know can improve students' lives and improve their educational experience, we don't, why don't we go out and change it? We're not bold. Even policies that relate to us as educators that can make our lives better, we just let, them, let people take advantage of us. Why? We're not bold. So I'm going to challenge every listener from this day forward, be bold in what you do with a keen focus on improving students' educational experience. It's time for us to be bold as educators. Stop being passive. Stop saying, you know, we've always done it this way, or I don't know what's going to happen or how people are going to react. If you're doing right by students, forget what everybody else is saying and focus on doing right by these students. It is time to be bold as an educator. What I want you to do is write down three things this year that you want to change. And I'm not saying write down three big picture cloud things that, you know, if the everything aligned, they're going to change. No, write down three things that you can change this year by being a bold educator and you will stop at nothing until it happens. What are three things that you're going to do that's going to positively impact students' educational experience? Get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your safe space and be a bold educator. If we keep doing the same things we've been doing, we're going to keep getting the things that we've been getting. But we claim and we always love to say, I care about my students. I want what's best. What's time and your students need you to be bold, to step out and do what is right by the students that you love and that you care about. What are the three things that you're going to do and I'm going to hold you accountable for those three things. Reach out to me, touch base with me and say, here are my three things. I'm going to be your accountability partner because I want what's best for your students. You want what's best for your students. But it's going to take you being a bold educator to make this happen. This has been the Inspiring Educators podcast. Thank each and every one of our listeners. 
We'll see you on the next episode. We out. Be bold. <laughs>